I had an individual who we met up with during office hours who was talking about how they were doing at least one of their majors in drama. And to me, that was so fascinating because I, I never met anyone who was doing a major in drama and in the arts and who was interested in public health. And of course, I only know a limited amount of people, but to me, that stuck out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, you know, in these degrees, they really think a lot about the audience. And what do you do in public health? You're thinking about your different target audiences, your intended audiences, and how do you communicate effectively? How do you get the message across? How do you make that message accessible? This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. The graduate application season is upon us, and many people are curious about the various ways they can maximize their chances of being accepted into an MPH program. In this episode of the Public Health Insight Podcast, we'll be talking about what you can do to stand out amongst the crowd of outstanding applicants. And all of the things that we talked about so far, you can pretty much find on a website, Google search, and all those things. But what about talking to people? How important is is it to find people who maybe went to a program you're interested in and finding out how their experiences were? Incredibly important, period. You have the opportunity, more so now than ever, to contact people via LinkedIn, email, phone call, and just ask the questions that you have, even before you start the application process. You know, it, it, it only helps you. It doesn't hurt you in any way unless you pick up the phone and say, hey, tell me about your program and say, hey, your program sucked. Don't say anything bad to the people you're talking to. That would be the only negative part of doing that, but you're not going to do that, right? You're going to think through your questions and then you're going to ask your questions in a very professional way. Whether it's like, like wondering about the fit of the program, maybe talk a bit about where your interests and passions are, some of your work experience and say, hey, like, is this a typical applicant in your specific program? And now I'm talking about specific program managers or directors that are involved in the application process. They know more so than anyone what it takes to get accepted into any given program. So why not take the chance and send a couple of questions or give a phone call to ask them what they are looking for? And sure, sometimes they might just say, you know, we accept a wide variety of applicants and there's no given specific experience, skill, um, background that you need. But that's still valuable information, right? Because it'll set your mind at ease. Expectations, that's right. And for me too, I was very eager let's put it that way to enter the workforce as soon as I was finished so that that a lot of my questions were centered around how successful our graduates are securing a job what how long does it typically take what is the average salary not not because I was interested in pursuing an MPH for the money but just so what my expectations would be aligned with reality right so that I wouldn't go in expecting the as soon as I'm finished, I'm going to be offered a seat and at a, hmm. you know, somewhere and I'd be making, you know, lots of money just so you have an, an expectation of what to expect going out of the program. 
And that way you can even enjoy the experience a bit more. Another thing you wanted to do, uh, LaShawn mentioned talking to program managers. Great idea. Also talk to the students. So the program uh, is in a position where they potentially will give you a biased response to any question that you might ask because their you know, program is the best for you to come. <laughs> their program is the best. Now, how were the students, how were their experiences having gone through that program? Did it meet their expectations? For example, if you maybe were interested in going to epidemiology after a program and then you might meet someone who thought that it was possible, but for some reason with that particular degree, they had a hard time breaking in. That's something for you to note, like, okay, if I'm to go to, into this field, for some reason, it might be a little bit more challenging through this particular program. So, you know, weigh up your other options. So that's why it's important to people who have gone through those courses. What are the courses like? The courses that you have to take a good variety of, of things that might keep you interested or is it more narrow focused? Uh, you know, what were the professors like? The style of learning, you know, case base, you know, did you get a good variety of that? So those are some questions uh, to inform your decision. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And I've done that a bunch of times where I reach out to students who are currently in the program or students that have just completed the program. And it's it's great to get a diversity of opinions here because some students would tell you that was the worst program I've ever heard of and I ever went through and I don't <laughs> recommend it to anyone. And then you start asking them why. And then maybe why? some of their reasons are enough to be like, hey, maybe it makes you uh, double take and think about why you're applying to that program and if it's suited to you or not. Or you have individuals who are like, hey, it's the best experience ever and this is why I did X, Y, Z. The staff was amazing. The courses were amazing. Um, a lot of team-based activities, a case-based methodology, a lot of maybe there's some independent uh, projects that you have to do. Those are all things you know and maybe if you don't excel in teamwork, uh, that would be tough actually because in public health you need a lot of teamwork. Um, maybe you would want a program that focuses more on independent projects or courses that don't require that team aspect, which I'm not sure about, but I'm sure it's still a possibility. And I mean, you'll, you'll also get people who kind of are in between. So there's positives and negatives. And I think those are great to hear as well, because it provides a more balanced opinion about the program. So I think you shouldn't just go to one person and ask them about how they feel about the program and some of their thoughts about the program. Talk to many people. And honestly, a message on LinkedIn, an email to alumni or alumni of the school that you are looking into is a great first step. And honestly, this is what you got to say. And I've used this similar kind of structure for myself. Hey, X, um, I hope you're doing well. Uh, my name is LaShawn Benedict, and I'm a prospective public health student looking into applying to MPH programs or a Master's of Science in Public Health program. I was specifically interested in the School of X because X, and then I wanted to get your thoughts about this certain aspect of the program. Specifically, I wanted to know more about the structure, maybe the work-life balance, maybe you won't have questions about the tuition structure. You want to be asking very specific questions, stuff that you really want to know about that you might not get from contacting an MPH program manager or coordinator. So 
and then just say, I would really appreciate your time if you could, you know, spend like five, 10 minutes with a quick phone call or quick Zoom call and make sure that you're more active about, you know, scheduling a certain time, sending that Zoom link, giving a phone number, or receiving a phone number. You want to make sure that you're on top of it because you don't want to give people more work than they already have on their table. So you want to make it as easy as possible in that email. And then, you know, you know, say, you know, if this time is not good for you, uh, please let me know if there's a better time and I'm happy to uh, work with your schedule. So something like that, quick, simple. You could probably have a template laid out that you could use for multiple people, but I do recommend tailoring it to some degree. And also make note of something that stuck out from their profile and the reason why you're contacting them specifically. Is it the job that they got after their MPH program? Or maybe it's the specific courses or stream or specialization that they did at that specific program you're interested to. The more personal connections you make, the better. That's right. And you reminded me of something too, the work-life balance. So I, my situation was that I had to get a loan from the bank and part of me getting a loan was conditional upon me still working and paying the interest as I did the program. Uh, I was told by my program that having a job was not necessarily an option. But even that's something that you might, if you want to find out before doing a program, if your financial situation is such that you need to work or want to work, and is the program amendable to that? And then is your workplace amendable to flexible hours? So there's a lot of coordination that goes on there. So that's that's a great point, LaShawn. I will say also, if you're a prospective student out there listening, reach out to us for some guidance. Uh, you can email us at the public health insight at gmail.com. The link should be in the description. And LaShawn and I, during office hours, will be happy to share further what we've learned and answer any, any uh, uh, additional questions you might have. Why don't you tell them about office hours? Because this might be the first time people are even hearing about it. Why don't you tell them about office hours? I'm happy hours. to tell them about office hours. Yeah. So one of the things that Gordon and myself really enjoy doing is interacting with um, everyone, anyone in public health, really, whether you're a recent graduate of an undergraduate program, early career professional, someone looking into public health. We love to talk with you, hear about your story, share our experiences, share some of the kind of lessons learned that we've gained through our kind of career trajectory and share that with you. And, you know, it's an opportunity for individuals to ask questions to us. And the best part about it is it's completely free. F-R-E-E. And we, Gordon and myself, we work with your schedule to figure out a time that works with you. So it's an easy way to just meet new public health professionals or public health professionals such as myself and Gordon and just pick our brains about anything that you're interested in. And like Gordon kind of mentioned at the beginning, we've spoken to hundreds of students and early career professionals at this point, and we've tried our best to help each of their unique situations. So totally recommend you sending us an email at thepublichealthinsight at gmail.com to set up your office hours today. Definitely. Did I do a good job selling and, it, Gordon? Yeah, you did. <laughs> and I will say also, if you've listened to this, and this is like projecting into the future, and you've thought that these tips were super fantastic and helpful, let us know about it too. Send us an email, you know, let us know on social media. It always warms our heart when we're able to guide people into make a decision that's best for them. So let us know about that too. Now, 
you've done all your research, you've spoken to who you need to speak to, you feel comfortable with the options that you've narrowed it down to. How do you actually apply? What should you do? What does that entail? LaShawn, do you want to talk about how rigorous the application process is or isn't? Yes. So, as you could probably imagine, there are probably hundreds of thousands of potential MPH programs out there. And understandably so, each of these programs may have specific requirements for their program to get accepted and for the application process. So this, that's important because if you start selecting your MPH programs, you want to know as early as possible what some of these requirements are, what kind of maybe tests you need to take, the deadlines of the specific applications, and to make sure that whatever these requirements are, you're able to budget and allocate the amount of time and resources necessary in order to submit that application successfully. And on time. And on time. And not last second. Sometimes last second. But So, I mean, there, there's a bunch of different potential requirements based on an MPH program. So, the first one that often comes to mind is experience. So, what kind of experiences are they looking for, Gordon? Depends. I think even from our program, Western MPH, you mentioned before, they take people from all walks of life, all different levels of experience. And I think that's probably done intentionally to create a very diverse mixture in the classroom to kind of inspire the learning both ways. Like, right. So the folks who are more advanced in their career can impart knowledge on those who are just coming out of undergrad and and vice versa. So they value those connections. So it doesn't, but there are programs like I mentioned, right? Like Brock University who maybe prefers those kind of mid late career professionals who are either looking for more of a career advancement, career change, who've maybe been in the field for five, 10 years and then it becomes a little bit more difficult. But in the first place, do you want to be in that situation, right? So don't look at it as a negative. Look at it as, is that a learning environment that you would thrive in, mm-hmm. right? So those are the things you have to ask yourself. So what if I'm a student that just graduated from my undergraduate program in business? Do I have a future in public health applying to these public health programs you're talking about? I would say yes. So it depends too on the pro- type of program. So as part of the applications, I would feel comfortable in saying that what they look for is that you've demonstrated why you would like to commit your life to public health. So whether that's like we know in public health, if someone's approaching it from a business background, there's a lot of value add there. And as long as you recognize that there is a value add and how you can add value, then that would be something that would be maybe attractive on an, M- on an MPH application. Perhaps it's something that would make you stand out as well. But you get into trouble when you sell yourself short and uh, I have a M- MBA or HBA and perhaps I don't deserve to be in the class with all these other smart people. 
then that's not the way to really sell yourself. So I think it depends on recognizing your inherent value and being able to demonstrate that on an application for whatever background you come from. Right. So, I mean, based on this academic background or based on these different experiences that you have, how would people stand out in the sea of applicants? How would you? That's so the million dollar question. There's a miscon- yeah, right. There's a, but there's also a miss because there's a misconception too that it's it's health folks, right? So keep in mind, a lot of people who come from even a Bachelor of Science in Public Health don't get into MPH programs. Why? Right? So it's, that tells you that's not the only requirement. Mm-hmm. So in our classroom, for example, we had folks from dentistry. We had folks from nursing. We had people from the, the life sciences. We had people, what other, we had people from anthropology, mm-hmm. social sciences. Mm-hmm. We had, it was from everywhere. Everywhere. To the point where, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense from someone who's thinking it's going to be a very one-dimensional classroom. But then once you start doing public health, it kind of, oh, it makes sense why you'd have a diverse classroom. So it just depends on how you sell your value. It also helps as well. If you supplement your academic background through peripheral sort of extracurricular mm, experiences, what do you right? mean by so, that? So if you're an M, if you're doing an undergrad where it's focused on business, and you've never really explicitly delved into anything public health related, it's hard to then make the case that you're interested in it, mm-hmm. right? Now, if it's a, I think it's an HBA degree, if I'm not mistaken, HBA. And then you volunteered at some public health organization, then it's easier to make that connection as to why you're inspired to pursue public health. So Mm -hmm. for those folks out there where it's, you know, maybe you're two degrees separated from academic background in health or public health, look to supplement or explore your experiences outside of the classroom. And then that can help you in your MPH application. Mm -hmm. No, I I love that. And One more thing to add to that, there's also the opportunity to kind of showcase some of your other interests that at face value might not be super related to public health. And one example that comes to mind is I had an individual who we met up with uh, during office hours who was talking about how they were doing at least one of their majors in drama. And to me... That was so fascinating because I, I never met anyone who was doing a major in drama and in the arts and who was interested in public health. And of course, I only know a limited amount of people, but to me, that stuck out. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, you know, in these degrees, they really think a lot about the audience. And what do you do in public health? You're thinking about your different target audiences, your intended audiences, and how do you communicate effectively how do you get the message across how do you make that message accessible i'm sure there's Mm. skills that you can use that you've learned in your training in those art degrees or drama degrees that you can leverage within your applications to make a compelling case as to why and how and why you're interested in public health and how you can use your skill set to benefit the populations And I would almost argue that we don't have enough of that in public health, right? Marketing. Working in public health, you get to see how important the marketing aspects are. 
we had a, a guest a while back who talked about why not, not to say that we're advocating for partnering with certain private ent- entities, but there are certain private companies that are very expert in marketing to their audience because they have a pulse on the community. So if we can bring that to public health and better understand our audience and how to communicate with them, then public health's messaging will become more effective. So we actually do need a lot more of that. Yeah, as Sajad Faisal said in one of our earlier episodes, why not? Let's make public mm-hmm. health viral. That's right. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, it does come back to, you have to think about it very long and hard. So you have to be able to articulate an issue. You have to bring to the table, how do I think my experience, my academic background can contribute to advancing public health. So inevitably, whenever you start something, typically you notice a gap and then you believe that your experience and skills can help to fill that gap. So that's part of the reason why we started Public Health Insight. Now, as someone from those arts backgrounds that LaShawn mentioned, it's do some thought and think about how What's missing from public health and how you can help bridge that gap? Is that fair? I like that. I like that. All and right. I mean, just to kind of add to that, as you're kind of thinking about public health, and it might be a new field to you um, when you're starting off the application process, you, you have the internet and so many other resources to look into what is public health even before you get that formal academic training. And I mean, what I did before my master's of public health program is I went on MOOCs, which are mass online, I can't remember, mass online courses that are free that you could take courses from universities across the globe. And like I took courses from Harvard, Johns Hopkins, and specific public health courses in epidemiology and public health, just to kind of gauge the different concepts that are out there and the skills that you would need and relevant skills that you could highlight on your application and kind of relate that to yourself. If you don't know what anything about public health, it's best for you to kind of get your feet wet a bit in any way. And there's multiple ways to do it. But I, the way I took was to take a course, a free course online, learn a bit more about it. It doesn't take too long and kind of tailor your applications and your different components of this MPH application and use some of that knowledge. Why not? Yeah. People might say, oh, LaShawn and Gordon, this sounds great. Uh, But what are my chances of actually being successful of getting in, uh, how competitive is it? I don't have the best GPA or average. Is there even an, any point to applying? Like, it's great. Maybe I'm from marketing. Maybe I'm from drama. But if I don't have the, the GPA, what's the point of even doing it? What would you say to that? So I have an optimistic answer and kind of a more practical, pragmatic answer. Mm. So I'll start okay, with the pragmatic, it. practical answer. Some schools have a dead set cap at a specific GPA number. And no matter what you say to them on any sort of supplementary application, they will use that as a cutoff to stop reviewing your application. Okay, so that's kind of the first part. However, some schools that do more of a holistic consideration of your application process will look at the GPA and be like, okay, This is one aspect of your application. Let's check out some of these other aspects. And that's where other aspects such as your reference letters or statements of interest or school-specific questions, 
you can excel in those areas and really show them why you have what it takes to be in this program and how your experiences and interests make you an ideal candidate for this program. And you don't have to dwell on the fact that your GPA is below the cutoff, right? Maybe it's an opportunity to explain it. Who knows? It depends on what you want to do. But these are other opportunities that you can take to show them what you got. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and depending on where you live, there is no, I guess from our experience anyway, I can't speak for everywhere else in the world, there's not a shortage of MPH programs. So, you know, not being successful at one doesn't mean that you're doomed for life and you're not worthy and you don't have what it takes. It just happens that in that moment, in that particular applicant pool or cohort, they just, you weren't selected. Doesn't mean that you're you're not worthy. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of it, I know people go through imposter syndrome. If you are chosen, that means something, whatever you submitted, gives the indication that you have what it takes to be successful. Mm-hmm. So don't, you can't un- overstate that enough Yeah, of how important it is to realize if you are uh, privileged to be selected, then you should believe you have what it takes to be successful. What success looks like for one person might be different from what it looks like for another person. So you just need to define what success looks like for you and stay the course. So LaShawn might want to go to Thailand to do something. That's what he uh, deems as successful. Mike's success might be, I just need my first job three months after graduating, right? Other people are trying to go to med school, dental school. You know, so you just have to have what success looks like for you. Yeah. And one of the other things that Gordon touched on is, you know, I've been rejected from a bunch of programs over the course of my career. And that's okay. It sucks. But there are learn there are lessons that can be learned from why we didn't get accepted to any given program. Now, what can you do about that? You know, send an email to the coordinator. Ask them, hey, I was wondering about my application. What were kind of some of the weak areas or where can I improve on? Areas for opportunity. Exactly. And Usually the coordinators and program managers are happy to kind of spend some time with you and give you some guidance in that, from that perspective. And it's also an opportunity for you to reflect and figure out if this program is right for you or do some of the other steps we mentioned and continue talking to different prospective students and asking them about some aspects. You know, maybe you could talk about some aspects of your application if they're open to doing so, so that they, they can help guide you into improving it for the next iteration. But like Gordon said, it by no means means that you are not worthy of getting into a given program. And if you really want to, keep trying. And we're just going to remind you again, we do have office hours. If LaShawn and I make ourselves available to the best that we can to answer any questions you might have about pursuing MPH. So we're here, utilize that resource. LaShawn, we talked a little bit about, you mentioned personal statements and stuff like that, but we didn't really have a focused conversation on what do people typically need to apply to a program? And, and I know you mentioned there's tons of different programs, different, mm-hmm. different requirements, but in general, what are some of those things that programs might be asking for when you're applying? Yeah, so 
let me think of a couple and then we could go into a bit more detail on different aspects of each of mm. these. So you have your reference letters, you have your personal statement, you can have, you know, school specific questions or essays that you have to complete within a given word count mm -hmm. or a time limit. You have a resume or CV component that you might have to send in. And you also have different tests that may be required of you in order to get consideration or acceptance, whether that's the GRE, which is the graduate school admission test, or standardized language test. If English isn't your first language, maybe you have to take a specific test in order to apply to this program. So those are some of the main components that I can think of. Are there any others that you can think of? No, that pretty much, that covers it. I think there's, even within the ones that you mentioned, yeah. there's a lot of variations. Yeah. So personal statement can look different from school to school in terms of what, how they're expecting you to present yourself. And a big thing too, that you mentioned, references. So mm -hmm. do you just ask anybody to write your reference? Who, how do you determine who should write your reference? What, what, what's kind of your process for getting reference letters? Yeah, I think this is an important aspect of the application process. My process is that I, I kind this is kind of why I got at earlier about knowing what your requirements are. Because if you realize that a given program requires maybe two, two reference letters, and maybe you, you can't think of any, but if you check this out early enough and you understand your requirements, you can work towards finding people who can support your application. Whether it's professors from your undergraduate degree, which I think that's the route I took. I did an undergraduate degree in biochemistry and biology, and I had a professor who taught a bunch of biology courses like biochemistry, animal physiology. And even though it's hard to make that connection between biochemistry and public health sometimes, the transferable skills that are required, the soft skills that are required for any graduate program are points that this individual, Dr. Jason Brown, shout out to you. I know you listen to our podcast sometimes. These are skills that they can highlight. And so, like I said, even though that person might not work in the public health space, they have valuable things to say about you. Now, that's kind of the academic perspective. So maybe you worked in, we're in that person's course, or maybe you worked in a lab in undergrad, in your undergraduate degree that allowed you to interact with a professor more so, or a TA more so than others. Feel free to read. Before you move yeah. on. Go ahead. Before you move on, I want to ask you a follow-up question to that. When you're requesting a reference letter, yeah. is there a way to do it? Are, are, is a duty on the person applying to tell the referencer yeah. what types of things to highlight or you just kind of leave it up to them to figure that out? Yes. Like, do you, obviously, you're going to say, I'm applying to X school. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's appropriate to say, I would like you to highlight yeah. my skills in research. Is that something that's appropriate to do? It, it depends, you? right? And I've asked references to do different things and they all have different preferences. But what I prefer doing is, you know, having a conversation with them, telling them why you're interested about this program and develop that rapport back and forth about why you're doing this, why it's important to you, etc. And then whether you ask them in person or by email, sometimes I ask by email, in that email, just be like, 
similar to what I said before about, you know, inquiries about meetings, introduce yourself or don't introduce yourself. Like let them, the introduction is the fact that you are interested in applying to an MPH degree, right? Tell them why you're doing, tell, give them a reason why you're asking them. So I would love you to write me a reference letter because, you know, I've taken a bunch of your classes and I've learned so many things, whether it's in critical thinking, teamwork, collaboration, innovative projects and creativity, and let them know why you're choosing them. Like it doesn't have to be too in depth, but let them know. And especially if you had a previous conversation with them about that, you don't have to go too much detail, but also say in that email, it doesn't hurt to just say, it would be great if you could touch on these certain aspects of Mm. my personal characteristics or my academic Mm. ability. So list Mm. some of them that maybe the program that you're applying to values. They usually have a list of things that they would like, whether it's leadership experience, teamwork, critical thinking, you know, curiosity, you know, scientific inquiry, those types of things. And they'd be different depending on the situation, but it doesn't hurt to let them know what the program is thinking and what they would like. And so sometimes you could just copy and paste the types of things. Sometimes programs actually have like a little blurb about what the person should write about. So that helps you out. So you could just send them that blurb. But if not, you could kind of do a bit more research and kind of fine tune what you want them or what you want to include in that email when you're reaching out to the reference. And sometimes they take it and sometimes they're just like, nope, let me just write what I think of you in my own words and in my own way. In my Yeah, so it depends. But you want to have that conversation. And I think it really helps when you really know that reference really well. So then you could have that conversation with them and have a frank discussion about it. You touched on the academic part. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like I'm getting a sense from you that you didn't only use academic references when you're applying. So you used a non-academic one. Why, why did you use a non-academic one? So the non-academic one was also important just because, like we mentioned earlier, some schools require you to have experiences in, you know, health or health-related areas or public health. And the benefit of that is since MPHs are usually a practice-based professional degree, you want, it would be, I think it's, a, it's an added, it's value added if you have someone in a professional workplace setting that, have, that has supervised you and have seen you, seen your growth in a professional setting and see how you interact with real people and while doing real work and having real deadlines and contributing to the healthcare space and health space and public health space in that capacity. It's a bit different than completing coursework. But since it is a professional degree, having that reference from that area would be a value added in my opinion, but by no means necessary. Yeah, it's a, it, it depends as well on, I think it's always a nice touch and I think it depends as well on how many letters are you allowed to submit. Mm-hmm. So I've I've seen things where it's one, I've seen things where it's two, I've seen things where it's three. When you're getting up to three, you can get a very diverse picture that you can paint of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you could maybe have an academic somewhere in between and something super professional. And if it's one, it's a tougher decision. But two gives you at least some flexibility to mm-hmm. have an academic and non-academic. And a non-academic is especially good for folks who don't come from that public health or health related academic background 
So if we circle back to what LaShawn is mentioning about drama and business, if you did have some extracurricular outside of your academic training in business, and you maybe volunteered for a community health organization, public health organization, they can speak to how your skill sets, your unique skill sets were of value to, to them. And what, how did you contribute to that organization, initiative, or cause? And there, you don't have to do as much work for yourself, figuring it out, like, how can my skill sets... They're going to advocate on your behalf as to why, like, your unique skill sets are going to be very valuable to the field. So that's something to keep in mind, especially if you are from a non-traditional sort of public health undergrad or health undergrad and you have some interest in doing it in the future, you it's in your interest to engage, whether it's a professor, researcher, organization, to have that in your back pocket so that they can speak towards those points. So I think a non-academic one is especially important for those who come from other disciplines. And again, if you talk to the program and they say they want two academic references, go with that, right? Exactly. Yes, read the requirements. So in the event that there is no requirements, these are some of the strategies you can be thinking of. In the event that there are specific prescriptive requirements, then you just need to follow those. Now, personal statement. Mm-hmm. What makes a good personal statement in general? Obviously, there's some situations where you're given a prompt, a specific prompt that you have to answer in a kind of a long form one page or two page. But in general, what points are you should you try to get across to be to have an effective personal statement? Yeah, I think some programs give guidance as to what they expect in that in that kind of statement mm. of interest. And one of the things that often comes up is why do you want to apply to a master's of public health program? Like you could probably guarantee right. something like that right. has That's to be addressed. Much, yeah, yeah. Right? Now, how do you support that question? How do you support answering that question? Well, you're going to want to use some of those experiences we talked about. Maybe it's a personal story about how you, you know, dealt with the personal situation and how that relates to public health. There's so many different things to talk about, and there's no uh, kind of silver bullet as to what you can actually say. But I think that's what makes a personal statement a personal statement. It's based on your kind of situation Mm -hmm. and your trajectory and i think that's very valuable because you probably have a very unique situation that others wouldn't have and like gordon was alluding to in public health we need that diversity we need people from different areas fields and to have that true meaningful interdisciplinary collaboration and so if you're you are in one of these kind of unique areas or fields highlight that highlight why you're you're interested in drama, why you're interested in business, why you're interested in marketing, why you're interested in graphic designing. How can that help support the health of the community and populations? Now, you might not have the answer to that, and that's fine, but these are some things you want to be thinking about. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways you can go about it and answer that question, why? But... I would say it has to come across as authentic. So if you're going to put pen to paper or your fingers to the keyboard, 
ideally at that point, you should already be convinced in your own mind why you're, you feel like you're doing the right thing. If you're figuring it out on the go, it can come across and it might not come across as authentic to the reviewer of your application and you may be in a more difficult situation. But once you've kind of thought it out and you've determined your angle, LaShawn mentioned how you can contribute to public health practice and whatever. Another approach to, to take is how you think doing the program can enhance your skills to ultimately do whatever you want to do in general. So that would go like, I have had these different experience. I felt like I have a gap here and I feel like this program can help to fill this gap for me to ultimately do whatever it is that you, it could be the most general thing ever, or it could be something specific. Maybe you're super passionate about clean water and you're like, I have a dream of implementing this. And I think these tools that I will learn here will set me on my way, you know, that sort of thing. So I think there's mm -hmm. many different ways you can take it as long as you've authentically explored why is it that you want to do it and how that particular program can help you accomplish that. Cool. And, I, and I mentioned, like you, you said, improve the health of communities. Now that's, that's mm. tough, right? As in, especially mm -hmm. as a, a student that's just graduated and maybe not having that experience to answer that question. And of course, if you, you don't feel comfortable answering that question, that's fine because one of the reasons you are applying to the program may be that you want to learn more about public health. And so that, mm, exactly. you know, you may not have an answer to that, which is fine. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, Gordon, and it's more kind of a mm. more recent, recent nuanced consideration for these applications is that COVID-19 has affected all of us. Do you expect there to be a huge storm of applications talking about their experiences with COVID-19? And what are the implications of these applications sticking out if everyone's talking about COVID-19? Is this something mm. to be concerned about? That's a good question. And it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like mm -hmm. you, you're saying if there's a, this have been inspired to pursue public health because of what they've seen with the pandemic, mm -hmm. how can they truly stand out? So I would say if you're speaking at it from a general perspective, I think it would be difficult to stand out. Mm -hmm. If you're going to talk about it from a perspective of, I have seen how COVID-19 has unmasked those inequities and those things weren't clear to me prior to the pandemic, then that gives you a little bit more of a different angle to talk about the pandemic. Maybe you're going to talk about how important it is to increase health literacy or science literacy as a result of the pandemic, because ultimately when we're having conversations around vaccine and therapeutics, people don't have the baseline knowledge or as much as we thought they would take agency over their own health and make proper infor health inf informed decisions for their health. Maybe that's a way to go. But if it's just something like COVID-19 shows how important public health was and I want to be a part of this, then that seemed a little bit more like not thought out. So you just have to think about how has COVID-19 enhanced your understanding of the problem and perhaps enhance your understanding of how to solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, and th those are some things you want to communicate if you're going to use COVID-19 as a case study for your applications coming up yeah. in the next couple of months. Yeah. Like I said, we know 
that everyone has been affected by COVID-19. And right. we also know that everyone right. has been affected differently by COVID-19. Now, how does that right. experience of COVID affecting people differently, how can you use that to help you stand out? Maybe you're working in a vaccine right. clinic. And previous to COVID-19, maybe it was a certain way. And what happened during COVID-19? And as COVID-19 progressed, what has happened? You have a unique story to tell. You could tell that story. Absolutely. And for folks who want to find out more for content like this, you can check out some of our previous episodes. I know episodes 67 and 68, we had Dr. Greg Martin come on to talk about continuing education in public health and finding opportunities after completing your public health program. So if that's something that you're interested in, we encourage you to check that out on all of our uh, platforms. And I think a lot of this would be, it can be tough. It's if it's something you've been dreaming out, dreaming of for a while, you might have certain friends mm -hmm. who get in and you might not get in just to try not to lose your sense of enthusiasm throughout the process. And if you're fortunate to be selected, make the best of the process. Mm -hmm. So LaShawn mentioned throughout this conversation, there might be times where you embark on a journey and you have unexpected situations or your experience did not match your expectations, but it's up to you to make the best of the situation that you're in to maximize your learning environment. So no matter what situation you find, and maybe you didn't get into the school that you wanted, maybe you got into your bottom choice, it's up to you to accept the situation if you accept to go to that program and be able to maximize your experience having gone to that program. So the lesson learned here is to just take whatever you get uh, and maximize the opportunities that comes out of that. So maybe you didn't get in. How can you learn more about public health while you're preparing to apply again for the next cycle? So there is, there is opportunities in there for everyone, whether you get in and whether you don't get in, and whether you didn't get into the schools that you wanted. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And we've, we've talked about a lot and that's what's making it super difficult to kind of get a take home point home. But I would say in general, listen to this podcast, maybe listen to it twice. If there was a lot of information, check out some of the resources that we mentioned, do reach out to us via email. We literally created the public health insight platform for you, for you all to benefit from it and to also for us to learn from you. So we want to keep that dialogue open. And we try to create services and content that you can engage with and have those conversations with us. What would we like saying? What's our slogan, Gordon? Before we say that, hmm. I would just like to plug, you know, if you're a public health program and you're also interested in advertising on our platform, maybe you have certain unique elements to your program that you would like the the prospective students to know about, send us an email at thepublichealthinsight at gmail.com and we can have a discussion around how to to uh, talk about that. So mm. but yes, as they say, as we've said before, let's make public health viral. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.